Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, we got some big news over here at the show. Over uh, here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've been doing this show for a really long time. I can't count. It's, I think it's seven years now. Yeah. Uh, seven years, 52 weeks a year. We probably do repeat episodes, I don't know, four to six times a year. We've done like no whenever, less. Whenever we give you the reins or the repeat episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, but nonetheless, it's easy to say, Paul, that we're doing 40 to 45 episodes a year. Yeah. And that doesn't count what we do behind the scenes. And this is what we do in our spare time. Yeah. Um, as, as Chris and I have, have grown within the company, our, our full-time jobs require more from us. Our families require more from us. Um, you know, there's just a reality that what we want to do is produce the best possible diesel pickup truck enthusiast podcast on the planet yeah that that's the bar we want to set is, is is in our tiny niche with our 10 qualifiers we want to be the absolute fucking best yeah the challenge we have is being able to do that 40 to 50 times yeah. a year what we what we know we can commit to to our listeners to you guys is we know that if we go to an every other week publishing that gives us more breathing room. Yeah, gives us more prep time. I mean, you have to think, Paul, we've done history of, we've done uh, budget builds, we've done interviews with end users, with, you know, specific one-off builds, we've done, you know, business owner interviews, uh, we, we have done everything and anything under the sun from competitors at UCC to competitors at, you know, uh, the old Diesel Power Challenge to, to you name it. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of good content that we have in, in the not-so-distant future because there's new trucks coming out. And we get to talk about new trucks. That's right. And we can start, you know, doing drive-alongs in new trucks. And we can start talking and dissecting what those new trucks are and some of those changes. And with those new trucks come new emissions equipment and new turbos and fuel systems and all these other, you know, uh, uh, scenarios or, you know, operations of the truck. So... I think there's a lot to be uh, in our in our future. I, yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, we're not really looking at shaking up the entire format. What we're looking at no. doing is just really producing absolute top tier, the best episodes you're ever going to hear. And, and I'm proud of what we've published so far. Yeah, you know, I'm proud of this show as a whole. I, I really, really am. I think I think our sponsors are also equally as as proud because they've been sticking by our side through the inception of, hey, will you sponsor us and help us do what we enjoy doing? And did we have to explain to our sponsors what a podcast was? Yeah. Yeah, we did when we started like, seven years Like six years times. Ago. Like, yeah, yes. Multiple they may times. have not gotten it until they were on the show. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Um, what I know is that, uh, we, we literally do this for fun. This is our our sponsors that just goes into maintaining the show. It's, it's a loss. Like we, we lose money on the show. We want to be able to have an avenue for good quality content for end users to either learn something new or to refresh or jog their memory on a given topic. Right. Like that, that's what this is for. When I got into diesels, you know, 15 years ago, none of this shit existed. I would wait every month, the first week of every month, I'd go to the local magazine store, grocery store, and I'd pick up the newest Diesel Power magazine or Diesel World magazine 
And back then, you didn't have online publications like you do now, so you couldn't just go on the internet and look this stuff up. You would buy the magazine, and I would have you know a, a gang of magazines under my bed, and like it were they were diesel magazines at that point in time in my life, right? Because I learned a lot about diesel. Man, somebody stop looking at me you. that way. Somebody but, needed to get you some porn. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but reality of it was, you know, back then, like you wanted to learn about this cool, this cool new wave of hey, I want to be able to own a vehicle that can be fast it yeah. can be cool it can make me money it can be fuel efficient this fucking unicorn in the room of what was a diesel truck and diesel performance you didn't have the podcasts you didn't have the youtubes you didn't have you know it justin our producer's laughing that i said the youtubes but well like, no well you, this whole you, this whole pitch is really if somebody had never heard our show before yeah. and this is their first introduction to you yeah I'm guessing they would place your age around 55 to 60. I, I meant, so I meant YouTube content, but whatever. The reality of it is, is like there weren't these channels and these outlets for, for people to, hey, I'm going to vlog and film this and I'm going to give it to the world to learn, right? Yes. Or, you know, I remember 10 years ago, I've been here 10 years coming up and I remember being in an interview and, you know, Nick asking questions about how to set up a truck, right? And I didn't know that unless I learned it hands on and spend money to do so. Now, if you wanted to build a six, seven, eight, nine thousand horsepower truck, you go right on YouTube. You could find some asshole that's done it and has documented it. Yeah. Right. You could go on the podcast. When we first started, we were the first diesel podcast. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have followed in our footsteps doing a podcast or truck podcast for that matter. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. We paved the way. We're the pioneers, assholes. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> But the reality of it is, is there's a lot of avenues out there for someone to either learn about companies, learn how to make their truck better, learn how to make your truck more efficient. And you could do that all in a night sitting at home on your TV, you know, searching YouTube videos or yeah. on your phone. Like the information is out there and it's endless. I, I love what you're saying, Chris. I, I'm on board. Uh, listeners, we hope you guys are too. Uh, we hope that you guys are looking for quality, not quantity. Uh, you, you know, hey, could we, could Chris and I sit and talk to each other for three hours a week and record it and put it out there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I Paul, think, I think we could. I'm pretty sure half our listeners would pay to listen to the shit that we say yeah, for yeah, hours yeah, 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 behind yeah. closed doors. Wondering. I wouldn't be comfortable with all those things being public. Uh, we close doors for a reason. But, but, uh, yes, yes, Chris and I are, are never short on words. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's something either one of us yeah. have ever been accused of. However, uh, we thought instead of uh, going down these different avenues of either producing content that wasn't something we were passionate about or just literally releasing just us talking or, or rambling for hours, um, we just didn't. We just don't want to do that. Yeah. That's, this is fun for us. This is this is our passion project, uh, and we want to do it the way we want to do it. Yeah. And what's really cool is is because of our sponsors like WC Fab, Exergy Performance. And first and foremost, calibrated power, DuramaxTuner.com. That's that's where Chris and I work. That's that's how we got started in this. That that's what that we're we're in the building right now where they gave us an entire office to ruin, uh, so we could record a <laughs> podcast once a week. Um, you, you know, we can't do it without them. Just no. like we can't do it without you guys. So if you want to support us and you want to support our show, please go and shop with them. Give them a call and talk to them. Send them an email. 
tell them Paul and Chris from the podcast sent you. They'll know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Now, today, we have a couple really cool things going on, right? <laughs> I love this. Yes. And it, it kind of sparks the whole you know mentality or epiphany that we had of like, hey, we want to offer good quality content. And what better way than to introduce some turbochargers on some of the newer platforms. Some uh, highly in- analytical and yes. factual and mathematical information yes. about turbochargers on newer platforms. But it really falls back for, for the first one, right? We'll just dive right into it. Yeah, We're talking please. the L5P Duramax. So, guys, any of our listeners out there, the 24 L5P is not the same as a 23 or older L5P. The ECMs are different. And with that, the turbochargers are different. And we had the opportunity to break down a 24 L5P turbocharger and compare it to the 23 and older turbo. So the 17 to 23 and then the 24 are not the same. There's a lot of differences. Yeah. Nick takes us through some of that and breaks down what some of those differences and what little similarities there really are on the two turbochargers. Yeah. And we're not talking like the 17 to 19 and 20 plus or 20 to 23. They have like a different actuator. Yeah, but the turbos are the but same. But the turbo's the same. You swap an actuator, that's it's, it. It's but money. you can't do that with a 24 model. You couldn't put the 24 model onto an earlier L5P yeah. at this point. Uh, Nick, one of the smartest guys uh, I know, uh, is the one who's going to be doing a lot of the talking. And uh, a lot of the data that he pulled was actually from one of our in-house guys who who helps run the Turbo Bay. Uh, he's a machinist by trade, works on the R&D team, works on the manufacturing team. Uh, he's a very, very intelligent individual, which I'll only say this because I know he doesn't listen to the show uh, <laughs> and he's not here right now. Uh, but Dylan, Dylan worked really hard on it. Yeah. We have a great document uh, if you'd like to get your hands on it and look at it. Shoot an email over to sales at DuramaxTuner.com. Ask them for more information about the differences between the 23 and 24 uh, L5P Turbo. I'm mm-hmm. sure we can provide you some sort of documentation. Uh, there is a video that's also going to be out live or is live on YouTube. Right now, it's already live on YouTube. If you want to see this, because there are some visual elements uh, that you're going to hear cool discussed to here. Yeah. It, it is pretty cool to see. So you can jump on over to the Duramax Tuner YouTube channel and check out the video in its full length. But uh, why don't we do the one thing we're not good at and just shut up and yeah. let somebody else talk. Hi, I'm Nick with Duramax Tuner. Today on Diesel Insights, we have the 2024 L5P turbocharger. Now, you guys know for new for 24 is the higher power rating. So we went to 475 horsepower up from 445. So an extra 30 horsepower. We know the new engine has a few things in the oiling system that are improved, but most notably I would say is the turbocharger. It's not all about bigger is better, and that's part of the interest that we have here at Duramax Tuner. So we do a lot of aftermarket uh, turbochargers for these trucks. We do the STR, we do the Stealth 64, the Stealth 67. Of course, we're gonna be curious what the factory has changed in 24 to improve uh, for the higher power uh, setup for the L5P. So let's stay tuned while we tear it apart. See what's changed, maybe think about why, talk about how that compares to what we have on the market right now. There's not exactly an alphabetical way to go through a turbocharger, so I'm just going to start at the turbine side and go to the compressor side. So the 17 to 23 truck uses this older style cast iron turbine housing. It's got two holes that go straight down and two that are kind of offset, and then a dowel to hold it down. Um, pretty similar setup for 24, except the flange does change. So these are not not the same flange pattern. Presumably for install on the line would be my guess, uh, changing this one. Material looks the same, uh, flange positions look similar for the uh, DOC and for the center section. One of the interesting points that I saw when I compared these two exhaust housings is that the old style uses an indexing pin to put the veins in the exhaust housing. Now, just so you kind of understand how that works, the veins 
will sit in the exhaust housing at a certain position and then the exhaust housing will be indexed to the center section and then the whole assembly is basically designed to work with a pretty close tolerance from there so the electronic control of these veins is is pretty tightly controlled from there so to have multiple indexing pieces on multiple parts is a little you know makes things uh, makes for a little more chaos maybe than the 24 model the 24 model instead of using the indexing pin in the exhaust housing indexes the nozzle assembly uh, directly to the center section and ev basically everything is indexed off the center section and then the center section is indexed to the exhaust housing um, it's a smarter design in my opinion makes for ease of assembly and ease of qc uh, it's just basically a better design let's go to the vein assemblies because they are majorly changed for 24. the 17 through 23 truck uses this piece here it's a really nice piece um, a lot of die cast parts this is an expensive part to make it has a 9 millimeter 9.4 millimeter opening so basically all your exhaust gas is flowing through that 9.4 millimeter opening right here from the veins onto the turbine wheel okay and when you're assembling this piece it might not look like it because i'm not pulling it apart but basically if i move any of these pieces the whole thing comes apart and it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to assemble so assembly wise this is a little more of a delicate piece now they have to be shipped tie wrapped uh, they have to be handled basically fairly fragilely the 2024 model goes to this a little bit more robust design it's i would call it more self-contained um, the other interesting part is the measurement on it they go from a 9.4 millimeter opening to an 11 millimeter opening so this all the exhaust gas now goes through that 11 millimeter opening and we go through fewer veins that are longer so instead of 13 veins on the old style we're now going through 11 veins what that is is basically a higher flow system so a wider volute uh, and then fewer fewer nozzles which means more uh, more room between those nozzles larger nozzles that's interesting that's a very similar size to what we use in our stealth program which we find works really well so kind of a validating thought right there that uh, you know the stealth and the 24 use a very similar nozzle ring okay so let's talk about these center sections as far as what's different between them on the uh, 23 versus 24. so the 23 is a much bigger piece compared to the 24. the 23 basically has the backing plate and the center section built into one unit so it's uh, physically heavier it's beefier uh, it's just a bigger piece to handle it also has a kind of a unique capture system for the thrust bearing you can see there is is captured inside there and then we have basically this piece that goes on and the snap ring that holds it in place now the 24 is a smaller center section physically the thrust bearing and the 24 is a bolt in place kind of like the older eye highs and it also has this oil deflector ring which is new for 24. Uh, basically the design is a I would say a more like an old style design and 24 we go to a backing plate so 23 did not have a backing plate this is the backing plate for 24. the actuator mechanism is mounted to the backing plate now I think this is an easier part to produce than the old compressor cover which had the uh, actuator mount bolted to it so you can kind of see there like this is a really bulky awkward piece to handle this is not so much an awkward bulky piece to handle compressor cover for 24 is a more traditional looking compressor cover it does not have the actuator mount mated to it like we said the 23 is this kind of big awkward piece it's got that actuator mount cast into it 
So I'm guessing that uh, the bean counters might have got involved here and said, hey, you know, you got a lot of, we got a lot of casting <laughs> uh, uh, flow paths and kind of extra work in the casting there. So maybe go back to a traditional style on that. Actuators themselves are different. This is the actuator for the 2020. Um, the 17 through 19 is one style, the 2020 to 2023 is a different style. They look very physically similar. They mount to the compressor cover. Uh, the actuator looks different for 24. I don't know what's different inside. We have not tore one apart, but I can tell you that the physically they look different and the plugs are different. Okay, so we got through the basics. We got through the physical dimensions. Let's talk about the wheels. You guys who know this thing is making more horsepower, you want to know how much bigger is the compressor wheel? What did they change on the turbine wheel? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Compressor wheel on the old turbocharger is 61.1 millimeters. It's an 11 blade billet compressor wheel. Uh, it's a pretty pretty solid piece for uh, for the OEMs. Usually we don't see billet wheels. That's kind of a new thing. Uh, the 11 blade is pretty common. That's kind of an anti-surge setup. The new style is 61.3 millimeters. So only a 0.2 millimeter growth in the inducer of the compressor wheel. The exducer actually shrank a little bit. So this is an 80, the old style is an 84 millimeter. Uh, the new style is a 82 millimeter. So we shrank two millimeters in the exducer. Um, what that means is that the trim is gonna shorten up a little bit. Uh, we are operating the truck in that narrower rev range with the 10 speed. I think that's probably kind of where that comes from. Um, smaller wheels are also quicker to respond overall. So if you can get weight away from the outside of the wheel, that's gonna lighten the wheels inertia up and make it a little quicker. So not a lot of change in the compressor wheel for that extra horsepower. Interesting. Turbine side, let's talk about that. The first thing you notice is that the width of the uh, inducer blades is wider. So we go from that 9.4 millimeter cage to the 11 millimeter cage. Of course, we're gonna have wider blades to accept those wider veins. Then we go to the count. So we're going from, a, uh, from an 11 blade turbine to a 10 blade turbine. What that would suggest is a higher flow turbine. So usually you do that with more power or more top end, uh, looking at cool EGTs a little bit. It also lightens the turbine up a little bit. Overall size, so 70.11 millimeters to 70.0 millimeters on the new stuff. So very close in measurement there. That could just be measuring uh, the different blade counts. They get kind of difficult to measure with the 11 blade. Um, exducer, we're gonna grow from 62.5 to 63.9. So just a millimeter and a half on the exducer. That's a, a, something you would do to grow uh, exhaust flow. Again, the larger the exducer, the better the exhaust is gonna flow. With a higher power turbine, that's something we would expect to see. Okay, so to summarize on the wheels, we have a very small change in the compressor side. And that makes sense because we know the truck had a lot of overhead in it to begin with. We've tuned these for six years now. We know that you can make quite a bit more power with the stock turbocharger. Interesting part really is on the turbine side. So we went from 9.4 millimeter vein to an 11 millimeter vein. We went from uh, the 62 and a half millimeter exducer to the 64 millimeter exducer. We went from 11 blades to 10. So all those improvements on the turbine side are really looking to get exhaust out of the system, lighten up the turbine, basically make the truck run better at higher outputs. That all makes sense to me. I would love to be able to tell you how much more horsepower you can make on this 2024 turbocharger. Unfortunately, we don't quite have tuning available for those yet. Once we do, you can guarantee we'll be pushing that turbocharger to see what its limits are. And in the meantime, we'll probably do a little bit of scratching around and see how we can improve the turbo so that we're ready when the tuning comes out. Hope you enjoyed this section on tech content. This has been Diesel Insights with Nick Pregnance, DuramaxTuner.com. We'll catch you in the next one.
All right, guys. Uh, that was Nick talking about the differences in that L5P charger, uh, the 24 compared to the 23 and prior. It, like I told you guys, it, it's extremely analytical. It's broken down very well. I think he explained it in a very clear yeah. way. But, Chris, we got we got a second piece from Nick coming at us. But this is a little different, right? So we just compared the new to the old, right, in the L5P space. And then here we go with a Ford. Now, the Ford's doing things a little different, right? So these are two comparisons back-to-back on a 2023 model. But this is a 23 high output turbocharger to a 23 standard output turbocharger. Now, Chris, you're a Cummins guy. You've you've been around and, and played with the high output, standard output yeah. for a long time. That that's a Cummins favorite. Yeah. Cummins generally the difference between a high output and a standard output injectors. Injectors and calibration probably more than anything. Yeah. Uh, de- generally and definitely not turbocharger. They're right. U- usually the same turbocharger. But but the power stroke. What we found so far, yeah. I, I don't know that I want to say everything well, that's now, different. Real quick, on the, the newer style Cummins, the high output have different compression ratios than the standard output. Oh, really? Right? So to back into the Ford piece, which I know that's what you're yeah. dying to get into, you know, we haven't we haven't bridged that gap. We don't know if the HO runs a higher uh, cr- compression than the standard output, but what we found on the turbochargers was really, really intriguing. Well, the turbocharger is so obviously different. You can, yeah. you can spot it when you pop the hood. You can see that it has this this crazy compressor cover yeah. uh, that has never been on a diesel pickup truck before. And something I love a- about Ford engineers- Always innovating. Is, is they fucking swing for the fences, yeah, man. Do. You know, they were the first ones to release compound turbochargers. The dual Sequential, scroll yeah. is still one of the coolest. Um None of their shit works, uh, granted. Jesus. Um, I mean, some of their stuff has worked. So their their but, newer stuff has worked. Once they started yeah. copying GM, uh, they've done really well. That's wild. But what they didn't copy GM with on their HO, their HO truck, their compressor housing is liquid cooled. Yeah, which is such a cool so idea. So let's talk about the difference. We've had both on the dyno, right? Standard output to high output is a 25 horsepower, 100 foot-pound torque difference, right? 125 roughly. Cost difference so, between the trucks is roughly 2500 bucks. 2500 bucks. Okay. Yeah. $2,500. So put this in perspective. $2,500. I don't care too much about the 25 horsepower, right? Let's talk about the, the 125 foot-pounds of torque. Yeah. There are there are tuners for newer trucks that are literally going to cost that for that same type of torque gain, roughly. Yeah. On the newer stuff. So and you'll get more benefits. Yeah. In general. So it, it, it's it's a hard pitch for it me. is it is it is. But what I think is really interesting here is, and I mean we're gonna we're gonna dive into this video, but the compressor and the turbine wheels are very similar in size. But then you have this this liquid cooled compressor housing, so it's almost like, hey, we're gonna drive the shit out of this turbocharger because to only grow twenty five horsepower, but well over a hundred foot pounds, that's usually like bridging a gap of like turbocharger efficiency from what we've seen in the past. I agree. So you go and you you are cooling the uh, compressor side with cooling with coolant. And then you're 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 turning around and picking up that that little bit of horsepower. It's it's like an insurance policy, in my so opinion. It, so so just so anybody who's new to this stuff, uh, if you lower intake air temperatures, mm-hmm. you'll condense the air. So you'll get more air molecules per cubic inch. Yeah. That means that when it goes to combust, you'll combust cleaner. Yep. So is the idea, and we don't know, just just to be clear, Nick's not 100% sure, we're not 100% sure, none of us are Ford engineers, we couldn't get them to tell us all their secrets. Um, maybe maybe that's a future episode. Maybe that's a future episode. Maybe, maybe we hack Ford's computers and we look to see what their emails are. Um, wow. 
Paul, you can barely sign in your own email. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Easy, <laughs> easy, easy boomer. That's one thing I'm good at. Um, no, yeah, no, but, uh, but okay. Microsoft Office. <laughs> <laughs> Outlook, motherfucker. Um, oh shit! All right, but but um, if you if the purpose here is that you're going to pack more air per cubic inch into each combustion event, is that based off of emissions or is that based off of horsepower? Because Ooh. the only way that gets you to a hundred foot pounds of torque is if the calibration allows for it. Yeah, that's true. So, so like I have this thing that I, I remember a long, long time ago when I first started here, I, I think it was like when the LML came out, because that's how old I am. Um, I was like, why'd they change all this shit to, to Nick and uh, to our boss, Nick? And he's like, oh, he's like, well, they only change stuff in trucks when there's based on horsepower co- competitions with, with other manufacturers yep. and emissions. It's like those are the only two things that drive innovation for OEMs. Like it's either I have to keep up with the competition or I have to meet emission standards. He's like, other than that, they would never change anything. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Now, everything we're talking about is assumption and theory. Yes. Right? Let's kick it over to Nick. Nick had his own theories, right? A couple of good ones, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And kind of gives us the the play-by-play on the differences of the two turbos. Hi, I'm Nick with Calibrated Power Solutions, home of Duramax Tuner. Today on Diesel Insights, I have an interesting one for you. So when I heard the new Power Stroke was coming out with a HO motor option for 2023, I thought, one, I have to get one of those, and two, I have to see what they change between the SO and the HO model, because 25 horsepower and 120 foot-pounds of torque, which are weird numbers, by the way, they must have changed something. I mean, if you look at the price between the two options, it's not an insignificant chunk of change, so I want to see those two turbochargers, and I want to show the people those two turbochargers because I think the people are interested. Okay, first tangential rabbit hole of this video. 25 horsepower and 120 foot-pounds. Those are weird numbers, okay? So I did the math on that, and they are the only place in the rev range where you can see 25 horsepower and 120 foot-pounds of torque is at 1,100 RPM. I'm not saying they didn't add 25 horsepower across the rev range. They may very well have, but it's not like they added 120 horsepower. When you hear 120 foot-pounds, you get all excited and you're like, that's a lot of torque they added. Well, kids, it's just at 1100 RPM they did the measurement. So that's the peak added torque versus the peak added horsepower. So it's it's not really that much different, okay? Unless you're at 1100 RPM, the truck's not gonna feel that much different. Okay, back out of the rabbit hole. Let's take a look at these two turbochargers. So on my right, I have the 2023 HO model, and on my left, I have the 2023 SO model, standard output, 475 horse, 500 horsepower on my right. I thought for sure there would be some big differences here, but when we took it apart, it's kind of a bit of a head scratcher, okay? So give you a little bit of a picture of these two turbochargers. They are both basically the same architecture. They are what Garrett calls their double axle variable nozzle technology turbocharger. Those of you who've been in the diesel game for a while are used to what's called a VNT, Variable Nozzle Turbocharger. It's been in the game since 2003. This 2023 model, for the first time, not for the first time, 2020 was the first time, but in 2023 we are using what's called a double axle variable nozzle technology. Same kind of thing that's in the L5P, except the nozzles in this variable setup have an interesting slant to them. And we'll give you a nice close-up of that so you can see it and how it's different than the L5P, which uses more of a straight nozzle. But basically, it's similar operation. Uses an electronic actuator, 
to change the nozzle geometry, which gives you exhaust braking, gives you quick response turbocharger. Um, sizing on the turbochargers is almost identical. So on the compressor wheel, on the HO model, we have a 57.53 millimeter inducer. On the standard output model, we have a 57.5 millimeter inducer. Say it isn't so, Bill. Same size inducer. Exducer grows a little bit on the HO model. Okay, so it might have a little bit of a difference in trim, but the inducer is the same. Most other measurements are the same. Same 11 blade deal, uh, same 16 millimeter nose, tip height. So the height of the tip of the compressor wheel is actually a little shorter on the HO model. Uh, four millimeter tip height versus a five millimeter tip height. And what that kind of plays to is efficiency at high pressure ratios. So places where you need a lot of boost. One of those places you might need a lot of boost is down low in the rev range when you're making that 120 extra foot-pounds of torque and 25 horsepower. Let's talk about the turbine wheel. So here we get a little more of a difference and that's probably by nature with the 25 extra horsepower. So we're gonna see a little more exhaust energy. We want a little bit bigger turbine wheel. On the turbine wheel, we go from an exducer of 55.2 on the 2020 to a 55.5 on the 23. Inducer on the 2020 was 68 mil. On the 23, it's 70 mil. The inducer base, 68 on the 2020 versus 70 mil on the 23. So when I say 2020, I mean the SO model. 23 is the HO model. Uh, this is the same turbo. The SO is the same on uh, the 2023 as it's the same horsepower rating. Vein cage, so the nozzle assembly itself, no change. Um, nine millimeter vein height, 13 veins, pretty basic stuff, no difference. The exhaust housing is the same, the actuator is the same. Okay, Nick, so real cool video. You showed us a turbocharger that's basically the same and are counting views for it. Not exactly, not exactly. This is where we're gonna go down the next rabbit hole which is the SO model compressor cover versus the HO model compressor cover. Now, if you notice on the HO model, I have two ports on the top of it, and those ports are not for positive crankcase ventilation. They are for coolant. So there's a coolant boss in here. There's a coolant jacket in the compressor cover, and coolant goes in the compressor cover, gets circulated, and comes out. That is the first time I've ever seen coolant go through a compressor cover in a light-duty truck application. Okay, so you spent more money on Ford's HO option and you got something for it. That's cool. It's the coolant circulated compressor cover. Now, why cool a compressor cover? We know the truck has an intercooler. They both have intercoolers. Why not just cool the charge air in the intercooler? I don't know for sure. Okay, Ford hasn't said why they have a cooled compressor cover. But I want to go over a few of my theories because that's what people do on YouTube. The extra boost required to make that power, especially at low RPM, is significant. And that boost needs to be cooled. Now my first hunch is that maybe the factory intercooler is at its limit and cannot do the job on the HO model. That is, it cannot control the boost air or charge air temperature on the HO model. Now why is it important to control charge air temp? If you control charge air temp, you can control boost. So if charge air temp gets out of control, then your boost system uh, cannot deliver the target air mass as requested by the ECM. The ECM is requesting a certain amount of boost pressure at a certain load. That's all well and good, 
But if that charge air goes out of temperature, that is, instead of 150 degrees Fahrenheit, it goes to 220 degrees Fahrenheit, that's a different amount of air. And so in order to keep the truck doing what the ECM is asking, the engineers might have said, hmm, we really need all the air we're asking for, and we can't have a deviation, we can't have it go inconsistent, so we need to cool that charge air. And the only way to do that is either add a supplemental or separate charge air cooler, or, hey, Bill in the back says, maybe we should, we should try and cool the compressor cover and use it as an intercooler. So that's theory one. Theory two. And these aren't mutually exclusive theories, they can all go together. If you can keep the charge air cool, you can keep the boost down. And if you can keep the boost down, you can keep the compressor out of surge. What is surge? Surge is low RPM, high load, high boost, loss of grip of the compressor wheel on the air. And when that happens, you get the cool choo-choo-choo-choo-choo noise. Not so cool for bearings though. Okay, so it beats up the bearings, it's hard on the turbocharger, and it doesn't deliver air consistently to the engine. If we don't have consistent air to the engine, well, that's a whole mess of problems for emissions controls and all sorts of stuff, and guys don't like to drive trucks like that. So, we need to keep the turbocharger out of surge. Way to do that, keep the air cool. If you can keep the air cool on the other side of the turbocharger, that is the discharge side, you can keep it cool and you can keep it lower pressure. So lower temperature air is lower pressure, lower pressure is less prone to surge. Okay, so we were editing in post-production and we had the set tore down and I was walking through the turbo bay and I had another idea coming to me and I thought, it's really important we include this in the video and I don't really feel like setting the whole thing up again so I'm just gonna do it in the studio. The theory is this, when PCV, positive crankcase ventilation, is vented to the compressor cover, uh, sometimes oil is brought into the compressor cover. Now, <clears throat> there are limits on the temperature of a compressor discharge air, and I think those limits are largely there to keep the oil that comes in through the PCV from basically glomming onto the diffuser face. Now, the diffuser face is this area here, which is an aerodynamic surface. And so, there's a very uh, thin clearance, maybe like 150 thou or 120 thou, I didn't measure it on this one, but it's probably somewhere around there between that and the compressor cover. So you can imagine if you get a bunch of oil that comes in through the compressor inlet and then is brought around and circulated through the diffuser face into the intercooling system, that if that oil is heated to a temperature, <clears throat> say around 390 degrees, where it's gonna start cooking the oil, that that could be a problem. And that problem is that that oil will then glom on to the diffuser face like here, right, you can see a nice clean spot here and then where the oil um, has started to kind of, I use the word glom, has started to kind of stick to the diffuser face. Now, if not a big deal on, you know, 10,000 miles or uh, intermittent use, but if you're towing and you're using that compressor constantly under that heavy load at that high temperature, that there's a potential that you could really start to build up that material and impact the performance of the turbocharger. Okay, so Ford has added more horsepower to this system via the engine control module. And in order to cope with that extra horsepower, Ford has added a larger turbocharger. Ford has added a larger intercooler. Ford has added supplemental intercooling via the compressor cover. Okay, so in summary, 
Ford added 25 horsepower and 120 foot-pounds to their new truck. Instead of using a bigger turbocharger, they added more intercooling via the compressor cover of their turbocharger. Cool idea. Is this the future? I don't know. I think flying cars are the future. If you're interested in making more horsepower on your 2020 plus Ford, give us a call. We can do that for you in the tune. You don't even need to water cool the compressor cover of your turbocharger to get it. I'm Nick Pregnance. This is Diesel Insights. We'll catch you on the next one with more cool stuff. All right, guys, that's our show for today. Uh, we are so excited about this. Uh, we're really, we're, we're, we're getting really excited to be able to bring you guys, like I said, the absolute best content in the industry. Uh, for today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. the youtubes you didn't have you know it justin our producer's laughing that i said the youtubes but well like, no well you, this whole you, this whole pitch is really if somebody had never heard our show before yeah. and this is their first introduction to you yeah. i'm guessing they would place your age around 55 <laughs> to 60 i, I meant so i meant <laughs> youtube content